0: Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I'm going to make him an awful guy with you. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Don't you
1: understand, George? It's because you were not born. can Kennedy. Film church. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. Nobody commits a murder just for the experiment of committing it. Nobody, except us.
0: Hello, and welcome to Film Church Radio, the podcast that treats cinema as a religion. It's Sunday. I'm
1: Lewis. And I'm Brandon.
0: And we're here to talk about movies. Each week, Brandon and I alternate picking a film for us both to watch and discuss. Uh, This week, I picked Rope from 1948, directed by a favorite of ours the one and only Alfred Hitchcock Uh, it stars well Jimmy Stewart but he's credited as James Stewart John Dahl Farley Granger Dick Hogan Edith Evanson Douglas Dick Joan Chandler Cedric Hardwick (laughs) 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 just as I say Hardwick <laughs> I'm sure people thought I said something yeah. else. Uh, there's even someone credited as Mrs. Atwater, Constantine Collier, but I don't think we ever hear her voice. No. Um, and then Alfred Hitchcock is the man walking in the street after the opening. He got his cameo in there. We did. Uh, this is a film. This is my favorite Hitchcock film, I think. I mean, I also love Strangers Untrained, but this film. I saw it as a kid, and I think it uh, cemented in my brain and cemented Hitchcock as like a a great director mm-hmm. before I even knew what that meant. Uh, so, yeah, love this stuff. Um, excited to hear what Lewis thinks about it. Because I, I know he loves Jimmy Stewart, yeah. but I know it's not his favorite Hitchcock film, so. We'll see what he thinks here in a minute. In the meantime, sit back, relax, get some popcorn, get some coffee, get some breakfast. Whatever your, uh, you know, companion to listening to two guys talk about cinema is <laughs> um, maybe it's just laying in bed, sleeping in on a Sunday morning, and nice. uh, <laughs> you set your alarm clock to us start talking about cinema. And you're like, oh yeah, cinema need to need to return to the altar, give some gifts, offer bring some offerings. Um, you can bring offerings by checking us out on all of our social media channels or sharing the show with your friends by telling them to go to filmchurchradio.com and figuring out which podcast platform they would like to listen to us on. Uh, we also have merch if you want to tithe. So. Go check that out on filmchurchradio.com. Um, but yeah, in general, just thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing the show. Thanks for giving us a like and share. And uh, we appreciate everyone being here. Welcome to the congregation. Church is now in session. Uh, we're going to, before we talk about rope, we're going to sing praises to other films we've been watching this week, other than the main feature. Um, so, what's up, Lewis?
1: What's up, dude?
0: I know uh, I know you tried to go watch one movie. We were talking about it before the show. Yeah. You tried to go watch Minus One.
1: Yeah, the new Godzilla film. And
0: what happened?
1: Yeah, we got about 15 minutes in, and the whole area experienced a power cut. So we were sitting... I mean, it was a pretty full cinema, which I was glad to see because it was the one... They have it on once a day at like 8.30 at night in the IMAX screen. Um, because I live in a cultural wasteland, so we're lucky that we got it. Um but yeah, so I was sitting there, we got about fifteen minutes in, I was comfortable, I had my coffee, and the power went out, and then we just sat for a further twenty minutes in the emergency lighting until they said, Yeah, it's not coming back on, we're gonna have to evacuate. Yeah. That's so crazy. What, I haven't if, seen uh, it yet.
0: <laughs> what if that's actually the mo what if that's why it's called minus one? Yeah. Just because it's yeah. like, we just cut
1: it off 15 that minutes was in. <laughs> I mean, like, the bit that I saw, if anyone's seen Godzilla Minus One, they know that, like, something, like, an attack happens at the beginning. And it came at, like, pretty much the end of the attack. So it felt like a very small, condensed Godzilla movie. Because there's some people talking, Godzilla comes, destroys things, and then leaves, and then the movie ended for me. Yeah. So I feel like I have seen a Godzilla movie, just one that's 15 minutes. The Godzilla short film. That's right, yeah. So, um, But they finally did it. The ads and the trailers are finally longer than the film. So, yeah, that was fun. Um, But yeah, but thankfully, that wasn't the only thing that I watched this week because I would have been a bit annoyed. Um, I've been catching up on a few missed areas from this year. Um, I always seem to do it. I kind of don't pay really any attention to what's coming out. Unless it's like something I really want to see, like Killers of the Flower Moon or something, and then yeah. around December when the Greatest of the Year lists come out, I like hurriedly try to gobble them all up so that I know what they're talking about. Um, so I went to see Anatomy of a Fall. Thankfully, that was being shown, and that's got a lot of praise. Um, have you heard about this movie at all? I don't think so. No, it's new. Um, yeah, it's from this year, I believe. It's a French production. Um. And it's a, a family live up on like an isolated, it's kind of like a mountain, um, but the husband falls from a window and dies. And the film is, it kind of is like that part and then it goes into like the trial um, and it's basically did the woman push him or was uh, he suicidal? Yeah. Um, and for some reason, I didn't know this, but France allow children to testify so they have like a 13 year old son who's partially blind yeah who is called on to testify so it's kind of it's very much you know family drama um did she do it did she not do it you know all these kind of questions and watching a marriage that isn't perfect being you know scrutinized for an hour and a half mm-hmm. and how it can be anything can be twisted you know just little conversations can be changed yeah. into you know, oh, so you did want to kill him. You know. Um, it's excellent. I really like courtroom dramas, yeah. um, especially ones that are really well written, and this is really well written. Um, and the performances are great. And I think that um, whichever, how you feel at the moment can influence the whole film. Because that pretty much, I was pretty certain the whole way through, I knew if she had done it or not. Yeah. And next time I watch it, I'm going to like kind of get myself in the mindset of the opposite way. I want to be like, okay, try and look at it as if from the other point of view, you know, yeah. um, just because there's loads of things in there that I'm like, like ooh, is that really clever or is that very like silly? Do you know what I mean? Like the, yeah. what, the words that she chooses to use. Yeah. Um, it's really good. I would recommend everyone going to see it if you fancy like a, a tight courtroom drama yeah it's good really no i definitely do that sounds good um and then the other film from this year that i went to see is a british film called how to have sex um which from a director molly manning walker which i've never heard of before i believe this may be their first feature film but not entirely sure um and it's about three friends that kind of go on like a like a drinking holiday which is really big in england like the kind of this like drinking holiday culture is huge so they go but then it takes a turn and becomes a bit more about um i don't know like women's bodies and kind of you know men being awful and um, yeah i don't know that isn't explained it very well but it's more about you know um sexual aggression and Things like that. It's it's a different slant on it because you kind of go, and they kind of the at the beginning they're all like, oh yeah, who's going to have the most sex on this holiday? Blah blah blah. But it soon turns out that it's not. You know, that's a very dangerous world to live in. Is it in the vein of like promising young woman? Um, I would say similarly. Yeah. Similar. I think it's a, it's more rooted in, um, like. Reality. More rooted in truth than yeah. promising your. Pro, I don't I mean, want to promising say that it's not young woman. In truth, I mean, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Promising it's young woman reality. has
0: a lot of truth to
1: it, but yes. it's
0: it's still. This um, is a
1: very realistic look at what if what could go what could happen on these holidays yeah. if you know if it doesn't if the worst thing happens basically.
0: Um, so I it's think the it, film that you should show your kids before they go partying. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Just like, hey, just be careful, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, but it's really, I mean, it's really good. It's one of those films where I think for the first 15 minutes, I was like, these characters are so annoying because they're just screaming and whooping and, you know. But then once the drama starts unfolding, you really start to kind of get drawn into their world and kind of get close to them and stuff like that. So Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really good. And British cinema, it's had a good year, I think, so... I'm pleased that you know this got it's been got some recognition. I think it played at the London Film Festival and stuff like that. So, oh yeah, um, yeah, okay, four and a half. I think it's great, sweet. Yeah, so that was pretty much it. What about you, Brandon? What have you been watching?
0: Um, not a ton. Yeah, uh, been busy with this new job, but um, looking at my letterbox here, and I think the only thing that I've rewatched. Is Bernie. And <clears throat> I watched Rope twice. But nice. I watched Bernie. Um I've been staying with my cousin while I'm yeah. training for this new job in East Texas. And uh he had not seen Bernie. Um, him or his girlfriend. So I was like, You guys have to see this <laughs> <laughs> And uh they really liked it. They were immediately drawn in and um, you know, as the movie kept going, they were like, I think I know some of these people. <laughs> <laughs> which is I'm sure how everyone in East Texas feels when they're watching yeah. it yeah um, and uh, yeah man I just love that movie so much it's so good mm-hmm. just thinking about my top 10 that we did earlier this year and I'm like I think this is my favorite movie yeah it's just like it's so good It it just gets better every time you watch it and there's I don't know lots of layers to it and, yeah, you know, obviously Jack Black and Shirley MacLaine are incredible, mm. and bring so much depth to these characters. Um, and Richard Linklater like one of the greatest filmmakers yeah. ever. Yeah,
1: yeah, um, yeah, it's good. It's so so good. I know. i will have to go back and watch it soon because we did yeah. our episode on it, which you can go and listen to. Yes, um, yes, we did do an episode on it. Go check it out. It seems to be streaming quite a lot of places. I just pulled it up on that box and it seems to be on, like, Hulu, Peacock right now. Because um, I'm pretty sure when we chose it for the episode, it was pretty difficult to find.
0: Yeah, I think it was on Criterion, actually, weirdly, yeah. when we mm. um, talked about it. Yeah. But,
1: yeah, it seems more
0: widely available. So. Yeah. Go get it. Go get it. Um but yeah, that was uh, it for me. Sweet. And now I think it's time for our feature presentation. Guess who's dead on time? Rope, 1948. Two men attempt to prove they committed the perfect mer- the perfect crime by hosting a dinner party after strangling their former classmate to death Hey oh yeah
1: This is it Grizzly Hitchcock
0: <laughs> Um it's been a while since I rewatched it mm. and when the film opened I was like not the greatest opening shot but um it is it is a great opening shot because the camera doesn't cut. It like it. It turns into a great opening shot. It's kind of boring in the beginning, but then yeah. after the credits roll, it like camera doesn't cut. It turns. You realize you're on a balcony. Shows the window. You hear a scream, and then we're in the apartment. Yeah, these two guys are strangling their friend to death. He dies. So they throw him in a trunk, and that's the opening of the movie. Yeah, what a great yeah. way to open a movie. Yeah. You're invested straight away. Yeah. Mm. So, I'm sure you like this movie. I do. But do you yeah.
1: love this movie? I do. I think I it's not one that I've been back to a lot. I I always in my mind it always seems to be one of his gimmicky films. Oh, yeah. You know, which I think is like short. murder. Yeah. It's all about yeah. murder, but I mean that's all of his movies. I know. Yeah, I think it's more like it's the one sh- it's the the one-shot thing that mm. I think seems yeah, to yeah you know, blindside people. It seems to be the thing that they, it's it's the film. That's the one shot, you know, yeah. um, that they talk about all the time. But I mean, that aside, it's a good, I mean, it's a really good film, you know, it's his first collaboration with Jimmy Stewart. Yes. First time they'd worked together, which is really cool. Um, First time we worked with Farley Granger as well, who was show up in strangers on a train. Yeah. Um, And it is, I mean, it's, it's a very simple story. It's obviously based on a stage play. Um, but it seems but it's just elevated, isn't it? It's not yeah. it would be so hard to be to make this really boring and wordy and just static, but it mm. seems to flow really well. Yeah. Which is which is what Hitchcock's good at. Um when did you first see it? Has it been a long time?
0: Um yeah, the first time I saw it, I I don't know, I was probably less than ten. Under yeah, ten or something. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's like I mean we I watched it again with my sister last night and she was like, yeah, it's like a core memory for me watching this movie.
1: Oh really? Yeah.
0: So like, cool. um, and you know I I feel like it's it's weird. I wish I knew. I don't really know, but it could have been the first Hitchcock film I ever saw. Yeah, it could have been the tenth Hitchcock film I saw. You know, but I yeah. definitely after the film was over or even before I, I was aware who the director was. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even as a kid, it was like, okay, this is Hitchcock. Yeah. You know, he makes murder movies <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it could have also been the fact that um one of the main characters name is Brandon and they're yeah. saying his name over and over. So I'm like, you know, as a little kid, probably like, Yes? <laughs> Don't murder people, Brandon. Yeah. Did you think you were God? <laughs> Sorry, Jimmy. Um, you know, and I'm sure I would seen It's a Wonderful Life, so I, I probably knew who Jimmy Stewart yeah. was. But, yeah, just all these things. Uh, and it being one shot, it's like as a kid, you watch that, and it's making you aware that there is a filmmaker behind the camera. Yeah. You know. Yeah. There's someone telling you this story. Yeah. And 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 feeding you the information like you That's what I I that's the give and take with those kind of things, right? Because it's like uh you you start getting into the story, it's unfolding. The two main characters are they're interesting on their own, but then you start adding adding the other characters in. And then as they start to move into the rooms, into the other rooms, and the camera starts moving, it moves in a way that makes you aware that someone is feeding you information. Yeah. As in, like, the camera doesn't just stay on their faces. It'll point down and be like, there's where the rope is, just yeah. in case you didn't remember. It's right there. Mm-hmm um so obviously all those things kind of subconsciously add you know or in some people's opinion might take away from the film um or take you out of it in some way but to me it just yeah it's like perfect
1: i do think that those two especially you know the way that he kind of holds the camera is the is the market you know, that they're the Hitchcock touches that we come to know. There's two instances in particular that elevate it. The first is, as you were saying, the rope hanging out of the chest at the beginning. Yeah. Because we see it straight away and then it kind of pans up. And then um, Philip, Farley Granger's character starts to kind of, you know, pack the books up and then he eventually sees it. Um, but the whole time we're like, I hope he's like, there's the ropes hanging out, you know? Yeah. And the second one is when after they have served dinner, and the camera is positioned. So they're talking off to like the right hand side off camera. And we're just watching the maid like walk backwards and forwards bringing the yeah. books. And yeah. we know that she's going to put the books in the chest. Yeah. And it lasts for about what, three or four minutes? Yeah. It's that's kind of a the full while. process of her going forward and back. Yeah. And the whole time it's just like ranking up the tension because you just know it's coming. And she even opens the lid. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's we don't even get let off until the last possible moment. Yeah. Um and that that is the best thing in the film for me. That scene there is just like okay, we're dealing with someone who knows how to make the audience swim.
0: Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. And it's just it it's just a perfect um example of how to make a good movie, I think. Because yeah. it's it's like, well, How, like, because this is something that I think a lot of uh, new filmmakers can wrap their head around as far as Mm -hmm. like, okay, you got a small cast and you got one location, even if you don't do one shot. Like, those two things are simple enough that you can break the film down and execute it. And, uh, but then it's like, okay, well, how do we keep an audience interested for an hour and a half staying in one room? Well why don't we just put a dead body in this trunk Yeah, and it'll be sitting here through the whole movie.
1: Yeah. You exactly. Know? And yeah. it's just like, it, and it. it's so morbid. The people yeah. they invite as well. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's one of those things that as soon as you start to kind of think about it, it on, you know, a real, real level, it's yeah. really horrible. Yeah. It's really dark, really disgusting. Um, but, I mean, that's what Hitchcock does.
0: Yeah. Um, it was really interesting to me watching it, or paying more attention this time around when the, when it starts, that opening shot of them killing David. Uh, it's Philip Farley Granger who has his hands on the rope, yeah. you know, committing the act. <laughs> and, like, Brandon is just holding him there in place. Um It's interesting, like, to think about the, you know, obviously the psychological effects as the film uh, plays out mm. that that has on him. Um, I'm sure it still would have played out the same way either way, but yeah, he might not have been so, I don't know, on edge. I know.
1: Yeah. Throughout the film. Yeah. He's holding the smoking gun for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the first time I saw it, I, I think my reservations with it um, came from the fact that I had just seen *Strangers on a Train*, mm. and for some reason in my head, I believed that this was going to be Farley Granger and Robert Walker again. Oh, okay. I don't know whether the like the DVD cover I had the John Dahl character looked a bit Robert Walkery. Yeah. So instantly, I was a bit like, "Oh, it's not," and it kind of turned me off it a little bit. Yeah. Um, just because i loved robert walker i was expecting to see him in it um but john Dahl is really good yeah he's really good he's really Um, psychotic yeah he just holds it really well he's the kind of he's just a smug punchable person which you can imagine as (laughs) like at school you would just hate yeah if you're in university with this guy he would be the worst yeah Um, for sure but yeah, he really was the interesting character to me the whole way through. Cause even yeah. at the end, he's not like phased. He's just like, Oh, we got caught. We did it. <laughs> you know. Yeah. He's like, it didn't we didn't do it. We didn't plan the ultimate murder. Yeah. There is an element of him wanting to get caught though, I think.
0: Of course. Yeah. Yeah. At least by Rupert, Jimmy yes. Stewart's character. Yeah. He definitely wants to get he definitely wants to have that conversation. And feel justified. Yeah. And well, I mean, it's also he's trying to. um, I don't know if you've read about this, but there are a ton of homosexual like undertones through the film. And he's like trying to please his professor. And I think in the stage play, it was it was more obvious, I guess. I mean, it's pretty obvious in the movie, I think. Yeah, I'm sure. Yep. Um, it was not obvious to me as a child. I don't think I even no. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> you know, there's two friends committing murder. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Um, but yeah, he's like you know, and it obviously it's it's another one of those things of of like you know Hollywood painting gayness as like evil or mm-hmm. like you know some kind of mental disorder. Mm. Um which is not great. No. But I think you know, I I think gay people still enjoy this movie. Mm. But um anyway, but I think yeah, he's like basically trying to please his professor like arouses him to yeah, have committed murder, which adds so much more to mm. to the I don't know, just the layers of psychoticness. I know. Um, yeah.
1: I mean, there's a fact where he even says, you know, I'm." I, Rupert probably would have joined us if we'd asked him, he would have wanted to get in on this. Yeah. You know? Um. Which is like a double entendre. You can take it either way. Is it the relationship or is it the murder that he's talking about? Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, there was also something else that stood out to me when they're talking about strangling the chicken uh, mm-hmm. just because somebody in East Texas referred <laughs> recently referred to masturbation as choking the chicken. <laughs> so, <laughs> so then the whole time that they're talking about like, Phillips never strangled a chicken. Yeah. And then there's like that whole that whole conversation where Jimmy Stewart's like, I know you've strangled a chicken. Remember yeah. when I was out there on the farm?
1: I know, every morning... Uh, you're pretty good yeah. at
0: strangling chickens.
1: <laughs> every morning, <laughs> Philip would get up, go outside, strangle a chicken in broad daylight and come back in for his breakfast.
0: <laughs> and, I, yeah, it's like, I don't know... You know, it's weird things like that. It's like, okay, yeah. d- did this... Am I making this up? With
1: Hitchcock, you never know. I mean, he was so... I think that he takes great pleasure in the fact that John Dahl and Farley Granger were both gay. And he had them playing pretty much a gay couple on the screen. I think that that, to him, is exciting. He enjoys, you know, making other people uncomfortable. Even if it's his actors, you know, playing close to their closeted selves. Or not closeted, or secret selves, I should say. Yeah. but, yeah, I think, you know, all these things that you say, they are potentially added because of that, you know? Yeah. Um, I think it also shows that Philip is probably the more inclined to be a murderer. I think that John John Dahl, um, Brandon, is the, you know, the clever one who thinks he's above everyone. But I yeah. think it's actually Philip who wants to murder. Because mm. any sign as a younger person of killing animals is not a good, <laughs> not a good yeah. sign for the future self. So I think it's showing us that um, that Philip is kind of, in, you know, easily manipulated and drawn to killing. Whereas Philip is, I mean, Brandon is more, you know, just wants to do it to get away with it. Yeah, he sees with it as art. Like a, Yeah, he sees it as an exercise. You know? Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um. But Jimmy Stewart, like, well, I know. So your favorite, not only Hitchcock film, but your favorite film yeah. ever is Vertigo. Yeah. Um, But also is Jimmy Stewart, I mean, I would assume is your favorite actor.
1: I think so. I, recently, I didn't talk about it because I seem to talk about it a lot, but we went to see It's a Wonderful Life. And I was just sitting there basking in the glow of that wonderful film. And I yeah. was just, you know, he's just amazing. I just love anything he does. He's um, such a great actor. I think he definitely is up there. I think he's the one that if someone was like, I've got a Jimmy Stewart film, whatever it would be, I'd watch it. Yeah. You know. Um, I
0: feel like he would be a great person to do like an actor series. Yes. And just like, let's watch all of Jimmy Stewart's films. Yeah,
1: definitely. Talk about him. Yeah, because he's... I think he's more versatile than people believe i think they they call it like a jimmy stewart type but it just seems to be his like an impression of him you know yeah falling over his words i think this shows a very different side of him
0: Mm.
1: you know he's not the kind of you know put down upon every man (laughs) yeah and this is like he's an intellectual that you know how holds very extreme beliefs yeah um and he's pretty, you know, forthright with him. He just says what he thinks all the time. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the whole message of the film probably left an impact on me as well. Just, you know, being careful with what you say. Yeah. You know, stand by mm-hmm. your word. Mm-hmm. Mean what you
1: say. Yeah. And Cause he does backtrack quite ferociously. You know, we get the whole scene where he's talking about, I th- yeah, I think we should murder. I think there should be a day where we murder, and then we're like, oh, we've done a murder. He's like, not you, not anybody. That's just words. <laughs> <Yeah>. It's hypothetical.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's weird watching it this time, because I think that scene where he's, he's like, you've given my words a meaning I never dreamed of. I'm like,
1: mm. <laughs> Yeah. This is you kind of like, what you wanted.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you can just not take any
1: responsibility for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Literally the first thing you said when you walked in was, I think there should be a day where people are being murdered. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you know, that's your coffee that's your topic of conversation while you're having lunch with these people. Yeah.
0: When's murder <laughs> day? Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I wonder if anybody who made uh, what's that movie? The Purge. Got any mm. ideas from this movie? It's having Slit a Throat Day. Yeah, Cut <laughs> a Throat Week or whatever he says. Um, there are like six cuts in the film. It yeah. is supposed to be one shot, but they you know film reels yeah. would only last for like ten minutes, so they would have to change the change the um, reels out. The and cart. there's a
1: few, like, sharp cuts. You know, it's not... Yeah, cause, uh, yeah the first I did one notice is, that. It goes into someone's back and then it pulls out again and kind of carries on. But then I think it's the third time they do it, it, it just cuts. And I had to rewind and be like, was that, did I just yeah, not, not pay attention? Cut? Was it like yeah. a quick cut? But it was. And then I think it happens towards the end as well. Yeah, it does. There's, there's um, Yeah,
0: there's a couple of them. There, there's, that, there's the... the the first one that I noticed this time around was whenever uh Philip they're talking about um strangling the chicken and he's like that's a lie. And he just like yeah. you know the outburst and then it cuts mm-hmm. to Jimmy Stewart's face. Yeah. And it's weird because like you said that's that's one you don't really notice. Mm-hmm. It's like the ones that go into the back it's like, oh, okay. We're supposed to. Yeah. It's supposed to continue the shot. Like you get it. Yeah. Sub, you get it. You know, subconsciously that like it's supposed to be, yeah, one shot. But you know that it wasn't. But then when it cuts to Jimmy Stewart's face, it's such a perfect cut that you don't even register it as a cut. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. the cut is letting you know you know, without Jamie Stewart saying anything that he knows something's up.
1: I think it's very clever because there's, I mean, yeah, the analytical side of me was thinking if you've gone to so much trouble to hide the cuts, why do it there? Why have it as a cut so that the audience knows, you know, because we've gone into people's backs and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think that that's where the film changes, like changes its approach. The first half, pretty much, is about Philip and Brandon. And then when that cut happens, it's like it focuses on Jimmy Stewart's character, Rupert, and holds it for quite a while. And it's like the course has changed now. It's before yeah. they were getting away with it. Now it's inevitably that they won't.
0: Yeah. He's on to them. You can tell from his face
1: that he's on to them. The beginning and of th- the end. Yeah. And I think that cut shows us that the jig is up. They're going to be found yeah. out. And we're now watching it from Rupert's point of view. Before yeah. we spoke not that we were like, you know, shouting for them and wanting them to succeed in murdering someone and getting away with it. But the tension comes from, you know, the rope is hanging out of the box, they need to hide it. They you know, Brandon is tying up the books with the said rope and is filling on it. And then all of a sudden it's like, Okay, I want Rupert to find these guys out and to lay down the law. Yeah. You know. So it's a very genius thing to do. Again, it it would have been easy to try and mask that shot, you know, um, but Hitch is telling us something.
0: Yeah, but it's it's also interesting that I mean, it it is masked to me. It is masked because mm. I feel like people that I know who have seen this movie talk about it like it's one shot. Yeah, yeah. and but then you break it down, and you're like, oh, there's some hard cuts in here. And I mm-hmm. think most people forget immediately. There's like, oh yeah, yeah, that was all one shot. Yeah.
1: Or you're so engrossed in that moment. That, yeah. That you like don't I said, because I had to it. rewind because yeah. you just weren't registering. But it's a very subtle thing. Yeah. That is included, you know, for us. Yeah. But if you weren't paying attention, you know, if you weren't kind of thinking about the how difficult, because all I can think about when I watch this film is how difficult it must be. Because they move through kind of doorways, so they must have they had sets that kind of broke apart. So they had to wheel things away for the camera to move. Furniture is placed back when the camera moves as well for the dolly. You know, when we get up on the chest, you know, about halfway through, you see that there's a table and you know there's a bowl on it with some flowers and stuff, which would have had to be moved for the camera to move forward and back. Yeah, it takes so much work to get this stuff done that you know. That those moments blinking, you'll miss it. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, if you're not paying attention to what's happening behind the scenes, um, you won't see it. And maybe that's what he was trying to do. Maybe I mean, he succeeded. People are yeah. still talking about it as a one shot film. Yeah, it's exactly. not.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you couldn't even technically do it back then because, like I said, of the film, the reels only shooting for ten minutes. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's as close as you could get yeah you know i
1: think this was probably the most frustrating of all i mean not all of it but in terms of his working with actors probably got the most frustrating because if you were like six minutes into a scene and someone flubbed a line it wasn't just a you know i will cover it in post you had to start again yeah you had to reset everything start again make sure everyone was up on their lines and it was still another six minutes before that (laughs) same line was spoken yeah yeah um, it's kind of it's very brave to go ahead and do this I think yeah even if there is a short you know there's not too many characters in it but it must have been incredibly intimidating especially you know that opening 10 minutes between Brandon and Philip there's a lot of dialogue there yeah and there's a lot of movement you know the, it was the things that I was thinking about like opening the champagne ball Mm, that would have yeah, made me yeah. so nervous to be like, if I can't get this open at the right time, we're gonna have to start this again, you know.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure they did extensive amounts of rehearsals.
1: I bet. Yeah.
0: Just going over again and again. I mean, definitely a lot of a lot of moving parts, breaking the yeah. glass. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all just so good though. I know. Yeah.
1: It flows really well.
0: The uh, The choice to make it go
1: from day to night to within this short period of time. <laughs> I know. Every time you see the skyline, it's a different hue. There's like a different thing going on. Yeah. I can just imagine the set design just being like, why? Just have a small window that we don't see all the time. But yeah, no, it's got to be like the, biggest, be the biggest back screen. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're going to yeah. do it. Yeah.
0: I mean, you got to make it... I mean, yeah. that's the fun thing, I think, as a filmmaker choosing to do a film like this is like, okay, the story is there. I can yeah. make the... T- like, as, Especially Hitchcock, it's like, okay, well, story-wise and tension-wise, I got this in the bag, but how mm-hmm. do I make it even more interesting for myself? Yeah. Let's make it... Put a huge window here, do all this technical stuff, you know? Yeah. That's a part of it. That's a part of the the... The challenge is also the fun part as well. Yeah,
1: I can see. You know, he was what about eight films deep into his Hollywood period at this point, kind of starting to become known as a as a master, you know, thriller director yeah. making these thriller films. I can just see him being like, "Let's let's try it. Let's do something a bit gimmicky," you know, because yeah. um, even in the silent films, he was always interested in like the new. Way to do it, you know. When sound came along, he used sound in a new way, pretty much straight from the straight from the off, you know. Yeah. Um. So I can just imagine him being like, "I bet I can do it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try." Yeah. You know. Because the to me, it's not about making it one continuous shot. I don't think that that's the difficult bit. I think it's making it interesting for the viewer. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the that's difficult.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Um but he does.
0: Cause, yeah. because yeah, it's not like it's not like like a movie you could just see as a series of short films or a series of scenes. It's like you just yeah. gotta get the scene right and then get the next scene right and then you can cut it to make it smooth and post. Yeah. But yeah, with this it's just like how do we get through a whole night and making it interesting?
1: Yeah.
0: Comp- yeah. I mean, it's all dialogue. It is. Yeah it's all dialogue um i love farley granger
1: at the end when he gets super drunk me me too that is one of my when he just starts shouting at rupert yeah. everything is so he heightened. said
0: you could have it <laughs> yeah yeah
1: yeah it's like well if he wasn't suspicious before he yeah. definitely is now yeah
0: he gets right in his <laughs> face and he's like why and- <laughs> cat, and oh, mouse, cat and mouse cat and mouse um i did also notice that people get uncomfortably
1: close to each other's faces they do yeah especially at um around the when they like helping themselves to the food and stuff when yes Rupert yeah. first arrives uh-huh. him and the, the his aunt david's aunt I yeah. think yeah. um, they are pretty much like nose to nose at one I point. I know. Yeah. 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 And I wonder if it's just because the camera was obviously on a dolly, but they couldn't move it forward and back. And with them being in the, you know, downstage, I wonder if it was just like, you need to be close so we can get you all in the shot. I guess. I can't. Pull out. <laughs> like this is, you know, you're just going to have to get close for all three of you to be in here. Yeah. <laughs> and still see, you know, is it Philip in the background that's listening in? I think you know, so, yeah. yeah. All these things.
0: But it's great. I mean, yeah. it doesn't take away. I think it adds some uncomfortability. No.
1: The first bit of trivia relating to what we were just talking about a couple of minutes ago on IMDb is um, at one point in the movie, the camera dolly ran over and broke a cameraman's foot, but to keep filming, he was gagged and dragged off. <laughs> and apparently it's it's still used in the final cut Holy. because they just didn't want to ruin the take he was gagged and dragged on yeah just like shh you can scream outside <laughs> uh huh
0: <laughs> put a
1: yeah. bag
0: over his head and throw him out the back <laughs> that's incredible
1: yeah crazy
0: <laughs> um Wow, yeah, there's so much good stuff mm-hmm. um, the uh the guy who plays David's dad, he's in the Ten Commandments, yeah, and I can't remember who he plays, but he's always he's like him coming in is like familiar to me. Yeah, but it's probably because I grew up watching Ten Commandments
1: and this, so it's like, um, the um the actress who played Janet, um Joan Chandler, she only made like three films, and I, yeah, I was surprised because when she comes in, she's very very attractive, and I thought she was good, yeah. So she like made one film with Joan Crawford, this, and then another film in like fifty eight. Called Drag, St- Drag Strip Riot, and that was it. Interesting. Which is crazy. I thought she would have been, you know, in a lot more, um, but she wasn't. Um, John Dahl, though, um, he was in Spartacus.
0: Yeah, um, I, I don't remember him in it, but I, I probably would recognize him again if I rewatched it.
1: And then, have you ever seen the film Gun Crazy? No, it's so good. It's kinda of like a precursor to Bonnie and Clyde. Okay. Um it's it's great. So yeah. uh, your homework over Christmas is to try and watch Gone Crazy. Um because now every time John Dahl comes up, I'm like, Yeah. Yeah. It's Clyde.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna add that to my letterbox right now. Gun crazy.
1: Yeah. But it's very good. Um nineteen fifty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So,
0: interesting,
1: yeah. But he's, I mean, he is very good. At it. I think that I think they all I are. Mean, Jimmy Stewart thought that he was miscast, and you can see, you know, Cary Grant playing this role if he mm. wanted to work with Hitchcock again. Um, but I think they're all great.
0: Why did Jimmy think he was miscast?
1: I think just because it's just not the usual part that he plays. Yeah. Which is what I was saying earlier. I think that he 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 didn't feel like he could embody the character of Rupert. Mm. And when you think of like Cary Grant, he could have fitted into that role pretty well. Apart from, I do like his final speech where he says that. Did you think you were God? I thought yeah. he does really good on that, like in there. Um. Yeah. But
0: well, his whole acting in the that ends like after he opens the chest too, and he's like. I don't know, it's just spot on to me. Yeah, I, mean, I just feel like there's nobody better in that time than Jimmy Stewart. And as yeah. far as range and showing emotion, like I just can't imagine Cary Grant showing that kind of emotion. Yeah. Know. You know, without trying to be suave.
1: Yes. And I would and I, I think that I <laughs> I get the um the relationship between him and the maid more if it was Jimmy Stewart than if it was Cary Grant. If she was talking about, like, (laughs) you know, if Cary Grant said, I'm going to marry her one day, I'd be like, what? No, you wouldn't. But with Jimmy Stewart, you feel that, like, that's kind of, you know, homely. That's kind of who we would settle down with.
0: We had to pause the movie at one point, and I think it's when the two of them are talking by the the chest. (laughs) Yeah. And the pause is just jimmy stewart like this like his head tilted down and his eyes looking up right at her yeah like
1: i think i might marry this woman one day yeah <laughs> they shared a glass of champagne on her birthday
0: <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> um who wouldn't want to share a glass of champagne with jimmy stewart on their birthday though
0: yeah sounds like a good time Dude, to that's what i want every birthday yeah that would be so weird if, I know. You could, if you could just pick any person dead or alive to share a glass of champagne with on your birthday. I know.
1: So many, so many things I would ask a, him. Yeah. What would you ask him? Um why are you so great?
0: <laughs> <laughs> why are you
1: amazing? Just, yeah. I don't I um what do you know. think
0: about murder?
1: It would probably, <laughs> yeah, it would probably be, be um, did you have any inclination that you were in vertigo, that this was Hitchcock's, like, dark fantasy come to life? Yeah. But then I did not want to annoy him by being, like, asking him a question about Hitchcock.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I'd rather just ask him about him.
0: Yeah. What you've been doing for the last yeah years. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Where have you been? man he's the best and I know friend of the show Andy Zyke feels the same way yeah I think his heart you can't you can't not love him yeah he's the greatest
0: he's king he is um yeah I think I think uh, that sums it up for me
1: yeah same here I think it's a good it's more than a gimmick I think it's a good strong thriller and it's like yeah. 80 minutes it's really yeah. tight yeah so it's a way to do it yeah what more could you want
0: do you want to guess what
1: we rated the film yeah I do um I honestly think that, I mean it's your favorite Hitchcock film so I think you gave it five stars
0: yeah uh I'm gonna say you gave it hmm I'm going to say you gave it four and a half. I gave it four. Yeah. I gave it four. (laughs) It was my choice.
1: (laughs) It's hard not to place it in Hitchcock's like, you know, it's hard not to kind of see it compared to his other films. Yeah, Um, of course. I know you've got to try and do everything on its own merit, but yeah, it's, it's good. It's enjoyable. Um, it's not Vertigo, yeah. But what is, you know? So Vertigo, uh, yeah. And for <laughs> you, it's a it's a bang on, nailed on five star. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it's. I saw it as a kid. Mm. I mean, as I'm, I'm not really sure, but as far as I know, it it might have just introduced me to Hitchcock. You know, yeah. kind of opened my world to knowing who directors were and what filmmaking was and all that stuff. Yeah. So, um, good. Yeah. So, what are we doing next week, though?
1: Well, next week is going to be a Christmas Eve episode, um, which basically means we're just going to be talking about a film to watch at Christmas I think I don't think we're going to do anything special just you know if you could pick it doesn't have to be like a holiday film just any kind of film that you would want to watch around the holidays and we'll pick some for you as well Um, and yeah that'll pretty much be it and then the week after that will probably be our top films of the year list where we talk about our top watches sweet yeah and then who knows what's going to come after that
0: yeah who knows who knows only the film yeah. gods that's right alright well that will be next week and that brings us to the end of the show you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Film Church Radio you can follow us individually on Letterboxd I'm at Selman Scope and Lewis is at Walker Lewis 3007 there you can keep up with what we've been watching we also have all of our back episodes streaming on all of the Barbie's backs uh, please leave us a rating and review and so you know so we know if you liked the film and if you didn't what would you pick for us to watch in the future thanks for being here everybody we hope to see you next Sunday for more film church radio the only thing left to say is do you know when I was a girl I used to read quite a lot we
1: all do strange things in our childhood Amen <laughs> Amen.